So um, definitely, uh, as I was thinking about just God's word and thinking about uh, how awesome and amazing he is, I was taken back to um, Pastor shared some things last week, and I want to highlight those uh, real briefly and share share with you some of the bullet points. I'm not going to show you all my notes because that's private, right? And I have some good stuff. And I, although it is good, and you probably would benefit, God was speaking to me. But I'm going to share some things that I think will bless you um, that I took from last week's sermon. Uh, starting off, we are not the chefs, but the waiters and waitresses. We are not the chefs but the waiters and waitresses, right? We do not prepare the food, we simply serve it, right? So in order, uh, hopefully you are hungry this morning and you came looking for a holy meal because if you were, if you are, then that's what you're gonna get. Um, and so our job as the, the, the minister, the preacher, is to deliver God's word. And this also goes for you who are out there who are maybe not titled as preacher, but God has called all of us to preach his word. And I, I like that, as I heard, Pastor, what I was listening to and I heard people talking about your leadership and Sister Gail as well, is about your life is not just, you don't just preach the gospel, you live it. And so I was told that people would rather see a sermon than listen to one. So for us as believers, as we go out into the world, our message starts with our life. Right? And so, and that even is the, that, the bad. I want to let you all know that is the bad as well, because a lot of times we think, oh, if I just get it together, then I'll be in a good place to be able to declare and, uh, and share God's word. But ultimately, in, uh, in what reality, God is looking, and, uh, is looking and can use you in your broken state, whatever that may be. So because that's where people can actually empathize and they can actually sympathize and say, you know, and relate to you. You know what? They don't have it all together, but they keep showing up. They keep serving and they keep calling on God. And what? who is this Jesus? Who is this God? So our job is just simply to serve God's food, which is this right here. We're not talking about food, so I want to make sure I'm very clear. This is God's food. Amen. This right here. God's food. Um, you shared it wasn't about the feet that were beautiful, but the message those feet were carrying. Right, because we know back then, right, they didn't have the Nikes, as you said, the Ugg boots. Pastor, no, I'm proud of you said Ugg boots. I said, you know about Uggs. That's, that's my pastor relevant. You know, he's, he knows he know some stuff. So uh, understanding that it's not about the feet. It wasn't about the feet. It was about the message that those folks were carrying that made the feet beautiful. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news, who bring the gospel. So I don't know about you, but that excites me. Somebody bringing me good news that's telling me that can transform, change my life, and change my trajectory of where I'm headed. Letting me know that I, I am headed for hell, but there's one who can save me and can take me off of that path. Take off my glasses for a minute. Um, so another, another one that you share, Pastor. The gospel requires a response. The gospel requires a response. See, a lot of times what we think is, okay, God, I heard your word. That's great. And it stops there. But Pastor shared, shared with us, it's not just a, a mental ascent. There is a response that is required. And you not moving, right, us not responding to the gospel is also a response. It's us actually rejecting God's word and saying, I think that that's good. That's a, that's a great word. And uh, I was moved a little bit emotionally, but uh, that's cool. I'm just, I'm going to leave it just right there. That in itself is a response. So you said the gospel requires a response. 
which makes us question today, what is our response to the gospel? What is your response to the gospel? What is my response to God's gospel, to his message, his calling on my life? What is my response? Um, you share that God was, is, and will send messengers with the gospel. I'm so glad. And if we look at, if we look back into time, we look into the Old Testament, we can see that God was constantly sending messengers. Amen. And has blessed us with a amazing messenger and beautiful wife to help stand, keep him up, to gird him, right? So God is always sending messengers of the gospel. And then this last point I'll share with you that really, really touched me, really spoke with it. It says, the depth of God's love is so deep that he holds out his hands all day long to a disobedient and obstinate people. That, 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 like, that's what I jotted down. The Holy Spirit said, right, this is what God is doing. God is constantly holding out his hand saying, you disobedient and obstinate people, you rebellious people, I still love you. I'm inviting you into my heart, into my kingdom. If only you would just accept me. All day long, constantly waiting and waiting and waiting for us to do what? To respond to the message. So as we get into the message today, I want to ask you, and this is something that I share within uh, my little meetings. Uh, my little meetings, I talk about how we show up, amen? How we show up into our space. So think about this. There's five quadrants that we typically show up. One, the prisoner. You show up, you really don't want to be here. Some of you right now, maybe your husband brought you here, maybe your wife brought you here. You are not here because you want to be here. You are a prisoner. That is your mindset. Then you have the sophisticate. That's that person who showed up, but you're just here to take notes on what everybody's doing wrong. Because you, you know everything. Right? So that's sophisticate. You show up. I don't, I don't need no new information. I know the word inside and out. So that's that sophisticate. Then you got that third person on vacation mode, that vacationer. You show up. You here, but you're not here. Like, look around right now. Look at your neighbors. They probably, are they looking? Are they paying attention? Right? They probably like, yeah, I can't wait to get that burrito after church. A side of fries, that sounds good, too. Uh, right? So you got the vacationer. And then you had the shopper. That shopper, that's that, that's that person who shows up into the space, shows up into, into church, and they're just looking for that one thing that they can take back, that one thing, maybe it's that tweet, that, that, that quote, that they can tweet it out and, and, and say that they, they, that was them. Right? So they look good, look holy. So you got that shopper, they show up, they're just looking for that one thing. They're like, can you get to it, right? Can you get to the point, because I just want to get that one thing. That's what I'm here for. And if that's you, that's fine as well, because God's word will still go forth. Amen? Um, and then lastly, we have the explorer. The explorer is that person that I want to challenge us all to be. That is the person who comes into the space who is willing to explore the new opportunities, to explore the word, to see what the Holy Spirit, what God is saying to them. That is that person who showed up today and saying, I need a word from you, Lord. I know that Nate is, te uh, is speaking. I know that Pastor is up there speaking, but I need a word from thee. So that explorer, so I challenge you th throughout this message today to understand that you might be the sophisticated, you might be, there's going to be times because we our believers, we've explored God's word, so there's some things that may be reminiscent, we might know, but I challenge you to be the explorer this morning. Amen? So as we get into it, getting into the text, we are now in chapter 11. So you can turn your apps. I know because I know y'all have Bible apps now. So you can turn, you get your book, your, your Bible app open. 
turn to Romans chapter 11. Um, or actually, start at Romans chapter 10, verse uh, 19. We're going to start there. Romans chapter uh, 10, verse 19, and we're going to read up to chapter 11 uh, and ending at the 10th verse in the 11th chapter. So it says, Romans uh, 10, 19. I, again, I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you envious by those who are not a nation. I will make you angry by a nation that has no understanding. And Isaiah boldly says, I was found by those who did not seek me. I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. But concerning Israel, he says, all day long I have held out my hands to a disobedient and obstinate people. As we get into the text today, right, we look at the scripture, it says, I asked then, looking at chapter 11, going from the first to the 10th verse, I asked then, did God reject his people? By no means. I'm an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham, from the tribe of Benjamin. God did not reject his people whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he appealed to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and tor torn down your altars. I am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee uh, to Baal. So to, at this present time, there's a remnant chosen by grace. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be grace. What then? What the people of Israel sought so earnestly they did not obtain, the elect among them did. But the others were hardened. As it is written, God gave them a spirit of stupor, eyes that could not see, ears that could not hear, to this very day. And David says, may their table become a snare and a trap, a stomach block and retribution for them. May their eyes be darkened so that they cannot see and their backs be bent forever. This is the word of the Lord. So again, this morning, we got five points. We're going to get into it. Five points. Because I know, again, I know some of y'all some shoppers. So I'm going to give you five points. So maybe then you could, you could like, all right, I'm out. So five points. Point number one, God did not reject his people. You can write that down. That is the point number one. God did not reject his people. Point number two. Y'all ready for point number two? Get an amen? I just want to make sure y'all awake. Amen. So God did not reject his people's point number one. Uh, our point number two is God always has a remnant of real ones. God always has a remnant of real ones. Point number three. God chooses his people based on grace, not by works. God chooses his people by grace, not by works. Point number four, Christ is the righteousness of God. Point number four, Christ is the righteousness of God. And then point number five, lastly, is God gave them what they wanted. God gave them what they wanted. And again, we're looking at Romans chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. So those are our five points. One, God did not reject his people. Two, we understand that God always have a remnant of real ones. Three, God does not choose his people by grace, I mean by works, but by grace. Fourth, Christ is God's righteousness. And five, God, right, all gave them what they wanted. So as I was looking at this text, and I was preaching to my empty kitchen yesterday, and going through it, because Pastor, you know how God just starts speaking to you, and you're like, okay, Lord, this is just so much. Hold on, let me sit down. Let me get a catch my breath. This is just amazing. This is awesome. So as I was looking at point number one, 
Paul says, I asked then, did God reject his people? What's the answer? Did God reject his people, y'all? Amen. It's an open book quiz, just in case y'all were a little shook. It is an open book quiz. Paul says right here, by no means, I am an Israelite myself, a descendant of Abraham. And what? From the tribe of Benjamin. So if we look at this first point, God did not reject his people. How do we know this? Because Paul clearly says it right here in the text, by no means. And, and, and why is it by no means? Because I myself, who am declaring to you the gospel message, am an Israelite myself. So he did not. And then even to go even deeper, let me lay out how much of a, a godly person, how much of the elect I am by saying my, my credentials. I am a descendant right, of Abraham from the tribe of Benjamin, right, who was Jacob's last son, his youngest son of the 12 tribes of Benjamin. So he's letting them know, like, his, his, his uh, audience, if anyone is God's people, I'm God's people. How do you know that? Because I'm from the lineage of Abraham. I'm also a descendant, all right, from the tribe of Benjamin. And so as we look at this, and then I also want you to look at, take your Bibles and go to Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9 Verse 4, and it says this, and you make sure that your Bible says the same thing that mine says. The people of Israel, theirs is, uh, theirs is the adoption to sonship. There's the divine glory, the covenants, the receiving of the law, the temple worship, and the promises. Theirs are the patriarchs, and from, the, uh, and from them is traced the human ancestry of the Messiah, who is God forever praised. So this is the same author. Paul was also, remember, you, we have to understand this. This is one big letter, right? So although we are breaking it down through our systematic um, study, this is one big letter. So the reason I'm taking you back to Romans 9 is because this is a reminder to the same audience, the church at Rome, that the Israelite people were God's elect people, right? So did God reject his people? By no means. Look, uh, if you go a little bit further down, to, in, in that same chapter 9, look at verse 27. He quotes Isaiah. Isaiah cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of Israelites may be like the sand of the sea, only a remnant will be saved. So as we're getting into our text today, we're going to see that Paul is laying the foundation. Looking at verses uh, in chapter 11, going back to verses 2 through 4. Again, reiterating point number 1. God did not reject his people, whom he foreknew. Don't you know what the scripture says in the passage about Elijah? How he appealed to God against Israel? Lord, they have killed your prophets and tore down your altars. I am the only one left, and they are trying to kill me. And what was God's answer to him? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee to Baal, this false God. I have reserved for myself 7,000. Which then, as we are transitioning into our second point, God always has a remnant of real ones. So we go from the first point, God didn't re reject his people. And then the second point is, God always has a remnant because we see that Paul, and how do we know this? Because Paul takes an illustration from the Old Testament. He takes, he does a quick history lesson. All right, let's go to 1 Kings. Take your Bibles, you can write this down. 1 Kings chapter 19. Verse 10, and Paul and, and, and Elijah was appealing to God. Hey, 
God, I'm out here preaching your word. I've done everything you asked, and they're about to kill me. Your people out here tripping. They're flipping over altars. They're burning stuff down. They worship in Baal. Does that sound like any people today? So Paul says, let me give you a history lesson real quick. So he takes them back, 1 Kings 19.10, and he says, but I still, I have reserved. God always has a remnant of real ones. So there's a lot of folks who we proclaim, we say that we love Jesus, we say that we believe in Jesus, but does our life reflect it? It's, it's, it's challenging. So we look at the text, God answers to Elijah, and his prayer was what? I have reserved for myself 7,000 who have not bowed the knee. Paul is informing his audience that in this history lesson that God, one, has not rejected his people because even then he had a remnant. The message had went out and there was a remnant protected. So, and, and this goes to show us that too, even in today, look, at, look, at, look around right now. There is a remnant of God's people still standing. In challenging times, in a pandemic, in war, there is a remnant of God's real ones. Go to, um, we want to go to verses five and six. Five and six. So, too, at this present time, there is a remnant chosen by what? Grace. And if by grace, then it cannot be based on works. If it were, grace would no longer be what? Grace. So, our point number three is what? God chooses his people based on grace. It is by grace through, yes, right? It is by grace through faith that you have been saved, right? It's the grace that allows us to be selected. So on point number three, Paul now shifting from this history lesson takes us back to the present time, his present time. It says God had chosen a remnant of people by grace. God had presently chosen them at that time. Right? At, at, the, at the previous time, the Old Testament, then at his time, and then guess what? We can also, he's inferring that God will have also a remnant, what? Our time. Because we are, as we're looking right now, as we see each other, we are a reflection of God's holy word. We are part of that remnant that God is saving. And it makes us think this message, why is it only a remnant? Was because what? Because all day long, God stands out to a disobedient and obstinate people. So it's not as if he's actually saying, no, I'm only going to take you, Josh, and then you, Molly. But you know what? I'm going to skip. No, the message is for everyone. But God understands only a few will accept it. So as we look at this remnant of real ones. This remnant of real ones, Paul clarifies, if it is by grace, then consequently it, consequently, it can't be by works. As someone put it, a gift cannot be bought. What is free cannot be, right, right. when we understand this, right? When we understand what grace truly is, a gift cannot be earned. You can't earn a gift. So what do I do to deserve this? Nothing. You can't, you can't do anything to, to get this gift. And then it says, what is free cannot be bought. You can't buy the gospel. It's not for sale. What is unmerited can't be deserved. So this is where the Israelites, they struggled. They thought that they deserved because they were God's selected, chosen people. But why did he choose them? 
because of grace. There was nothing spectacular about them. That's what we see, we think. And even for us today, if we fast forward to where we live, some of us are still struggling, myself included, because we tried to be good enough. We tried to work it out just a little bit. If I just do this, then God will do that. But God is reminding Nathan it's not through you, it's through grace. It's through grace. So Paul is making sure that we understand that grace and works are mutually exclusive. In addition, look at verse 6. Paul says, if it were, grace would no longer be what? Grace. Paul wants to make it emphatically clear that God's choosing has nothing to do with works, but everything to do with grace. So us as Christians, as believers, we don't work because, right, we don't work to earn salvation. Because we have salvation, we work. Because God has selected me, right? Because God has qualified me, I go out and share his gospel. I share his message. Not because I'm special. Not because I have the gift of speaking. But because God saw fit to qualify me. So why is this significant? Right? As I was studying, the question then became, why is grace so significant here? One, it's another note you might want to write down. We tend to insert, we, we have to understand that what? It reminds us that God is God. This is why grace is significant. Because it reminds us that God is God. Number two, it is on God's terms. It is on God's terms. And this is the thing. He's rigging the game for us, Diane. He's rigged the game for us. Do you not understand? Like, you don't deserve to be here, but God has rigged it so that you can be here? I don't think you understand. Number three, it eliminates the potential for man to boast. See, I can no longer be like, Nate's good, look, you see me, the I am impact, I got the gear on. God says that has nothing to do with why I selected you. It has been because of grace. I've extended this invitation, not because you look good, not because you smell good, not because you have money, not because you have a relationship. It's because of my grace. See, the Israelites still were caught up in trying to work. They were trying to work. They were trying to be righteous in their own works. And we see this time and time again. This is why Christ had to step on the scene. The sacrifices weren't good enough. Right? Our propitiation, our sacrifices, that, that's what we tend to do. When we mess up, fellas, when we mess up. When we mess up, what do we do? Flowers. Chocolate. Candy. Spa, right? We try to, we try to propitiate, we try to sacrifice, we try to earn our way back into good graces. Now, ladies, I know you're saying, yeah, you still better do that. You still better do it, amen? But we understand that what? It's the grace, God's grace is, a, is, is really what allows us to be back, right? Point number four, it allows us to even be selected. This is why grace is so important. Do you not know if it's not for grace? God can't even select you, Paul. It's like that kid. You know, we all play sports or, or around sports, and you know, when you were out playing kickball, and it was that kid that you didn't want, like nobody wanted him on their team. Oh, no. It's my turn, and that's all who's left. But guess what? It, there was grace extended to that person. You were like, come on, Paul. Come on, Diamond. I know you can't swing a bat, but come on. Right? What about Brother Matt? It was grace. City Church Metros. 
Think about Matt Johnson. I said, Lord, you ain't never swung a bat in your life. But we said what? And we extended grace to Matt Johnson. Come on, we still going to allow you to be on our team. That's God. Because it's, we're not looking at their credentials. We're not looking at, what, at their qualifications. We're looking at what? The grace God is saying, I'm going to allow you to be on my team, although you don't qualify. You don't fit the standards. You don't have the credentials. But I'm going to allow you to be on my team. Going into verse 7. Point number four, Christ is grace, is the uh, is grace and righteousness of God. Christ is the grace and righteousness of God. How do we know this? Because all throughout this same letter, Paul has making it very clear. Everybody, the Israelites were trying to do it on their own. They were caught up in their works, their opinions, their thoughts, their behavior, right? They were trying to do it. And Christ was, and Paul kept reminding them, no, it's Christ. It's Christ. It's Christ. It's Christ. It's not you, it's Christ. But what about the Old Testament? It's the coming of Christ. It's the coming of Christ. And all you have to do is believe. Put your faith in hoping God's work, not your work, not your sacrifices. It's in God's work. And so God was able to forgive. God was able to invite because of what? The coming of Christ. Because the sacrifice that will be made. See, because God actually, again, this, and the other reason is because what? God makes the rules. I think that's when we get confused. We think that we try to insert ourselves, well, if I was God, I wouldn't do it that way. I wouldn't send Nate up there to preach to people. If I wanted people saved, I would do it my way. And that's the, that's the issue. You're not God. You're not God. It's God, he sets the terms. And that's where, that's why the, if we look at the world, the world doesn't want it. They don't accept it because they're like, huh, there's some things in there I don't like. Your God did this. Or if your God is so real, how come he will let this happen? But that same God is allowing them to breathe. Is he extending grace to them? They just don't know it. That's why as the preacher, as the believers, we have to deliver the word. Don't you know that you're breathing, that we're breathing the very uh, breath that God breathed into the man? Like that's the only reason you are able to have the job, the car, right? The things that you have. The world is ignorant to God. So, but this is the thing, we have the blessing, and this is why sometimes I understand it seems like a burden because the more we know, the more we look into scripture, the more we see, the more our heart hurts for the world. Because we see them trying and trying and trying and being let down and being hurt and being let and they're going through this, right, this insanity, same thing, over and over again, same result. Why isn't it working? Because they haven't understood that it's not by their works, it's by God. So as we look at verse 7, what then shall the, what the people of Israel sought so earnestly they did not obtain? The elect among them did, but the others were hardened. So as we look at this text, we had just some questions that popped up for me. What were the people of Israel seeking? Why didn't they obtain it? Who are the elect? And then lastly, why were they hardened? So, first question, who were the, what were the people of Israel seeking? Righteousness. People of Israel, that, that's what they were constantly looking for. God, we don't need you. We're going to do it on our own. We want to be like everybody else. Right? We want to do it on our way. And God was, okay. And then and now it's God's fault. God rejected us. Why is God treating us like this? No, 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 no. It's your fault. No, okay. 
So we understand that when we look at God's words, so one, what were the people of Israel seeking? Righteousness. Two, why didn't they obtain it? Because they did so in their works, their ways, their standards, their beliefs. That's why they didn't obtain it. Number four, who were the elect? The remnant chosen by grace. The remnant chosen by grace. Which again goes back to point number two. That God always has what? A remnant of real ones. Number And lastly, this last question that why were they hardened? Because God gave them what they wanted. When God revealed that to me, I said, wait. Well, why were they in the spirit of stupor? Well, why were they? God gave them what they wanted. They didn't want to be with God. They didn't want to accept the gift of him standing all day long with his hands out saying, come to me. They rejected it. So the result of rejecting God is what? A spirit of stupor, eyes that cannot see, ears that cannot hear. So as we look into the world, what do we see? A lot of folks, what, that are stuck on stupor. Like, and it's not that you, like, you understand, like, as a believer, you're like, nah, you just stuck on stupor. Right? Like, you, I understand it ain't going to make sense because you don't know. Like, you don't know my God the way I know my God. So that's why even when I'm talking to you, it sounds like I'm speaking, like, gibberish. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you ever been talking to somebody, you just want them to get it, and they just like, no. But because you understand, because God has calling you out of what? The darkness into his marvelous light, right? You speak a new language. It's kingdom talk. So you're like, I, I just, it's, it's different. Right? No hablo. Like you, you, it's different when you understand in, 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 when you understand who God is, and then we are trying to witness to the world. This is why, for us, the believer, we have to what? Do what? Serve God's word. I don't need to dress it up. I don't need to add a little bit of garnishment. Right? You know, Diamond makes some shrimp and grits. She add a little bit of that on the top. We don't need none of that. God's work is God's word is perfect the way it is. See, but the issue is what? We try to do what? Doctor it up. All right, I'm going to give Josh his word, but all right, okay, okay, so I know this is what he's going through, so I'm going to come at him like this, and I'm going to move over here, and then he's going to say this, and I'm going to do that. We're trying to be God. God's saying, share my word. Share my word. If they eat it, they eat it. If they don't, they're lost. And again, this allows us as the believer, it takes the weight off of us. We don't have to be stressed now. Of course, we're going to mourn. We're going to be sad because why? We want them to experience this love. We want to experience this, this grace, this mercy, this favor that we have right on our lives. We want them to experience that. So yes, our hearts will be broken, but we understand that it's not our message that they're rejecting. But I'm glad that you are offended because that means you're owning the word, right? You love your God. You ain't going to turn my God down. Don't you know what he did? Don't you know he walked on water? Don't you know he turned water into wine? Don't you know he brought me out of that domestic violence situation? Don't you know what my God has done? So yes, of course we will be offended. But at the end of the day, we have to remember that it's God's word. And God has a plan. Because he says that my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Right? My word will not return void to me. When God says, Nathan, move, Nathan's going to move. Now, it might not, I might not move immediately, but if God has commanded me to, I'm going to move. I'm going to move. So we start looking at this, we start, what we need to start doing is, as Christians, as believers, 
as we look at God's text, we look at the Holy Scriptures, we say, okay, as Paul has done, right? Paul understands that in, in order for me to save my people, in order for us to save the people, we have to share the message. We have to share the message. So we look at all these points, right? We look at everything that was shared today. We look at how this sounds like a people today that have rejected the message, have rejected scripture. So we understand with our, our five points. One, God always, right? God, so we look at, what, what's our point number one? God did not reject his people, right? Number two, God always. Point number three. Amen. Not by works so that any man shall boast. Number four, Christ is what? The righteousness of God. And then point number five, as we look, as we look at the text, look lastly, right? So what is the remedy, the antidote to the spirit of stupor? Not being able to see, not being able to hear, not allowing our tables to be a snare and a trap, a stumbling block and retribution, eyes being darkened. I'm so glad that God does not leave us without a remedy, without an antidote. He says that if you want to be able to see, if you want to be able to hear, if you want to be able to be in my kingdom, you need to accept my son, Jesus Christ. You need to call on the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. Because my God, right? So this is to understand. He doesn't leave us empty-handed. See, the world thinks that God has left us. That God is not moving. But you, me, we are walking testimonies of God's word. We once couldn't see. We once couldn't hear. Right? Once our eyes were darkened. But when we opened this holy book and God's word came alive to us. It transformed us. It's changing us. And so I challenge you today, as you look at chapter 11, verses 1 through 10, ask yourself, what is standing out? How does this make you feel? What can you do with this information? When will you do with this information? Because a lot of us have the information and we know what we should be saying. We got some folks right now that we could just send some encouraging words to. A group of folks that we haven't spoken to that just need to hear a word from God. Let God's word do what it's supposed to do. Amen? Amen. I'm done, Diane. Let us bow. <laughs> Father God, we come to you right now just saying thank you. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the message. Lord, I ask that you just continue to be with us. I ask that you would begin to work in us, Father God. As, we, as we've heard your word this morning, I ask that you would move in us, Father God. That we would be those walking sermons, those walking testimonies to the unbelievers right now, Father God. Lord, that I ask that you would give us the strength to be able to apply your word day in and day out. When we feel like throwing in the towel, when we feel like quitting and rejecting your word, Father God, I ask that you would give us the strength to be able to obey. Lord, have your way with, this, with us. And we, Lord, we ask that you would just continue to, to be with us and our families right now, Father God. For we need your word more than ever. So, Lord, we ask that you would make your word come alive in our lives. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.